0: Welcome to Second Chance, a moped podcast. I felt like I needed to put this disclaimer at the beginning because this is not a moped podcast. This is a special podcast of the recollection of the tragedy that had happened between the dates of Wednesday, May 27th, and June 2nd of three people in the moped community.
1: Myself, Jim, and our special guest, Annie Hobbenhofer, come together this week to share our reactions and unique experiences in the days preceding the death of George Floyd
0: again this is not a moped podcast this is the recollection of the events that had transpired we mourn the loss of George Floyd and the tragedy that ensued thank you very much and i hope you enjoy this special hi this is jim and this is ashley And this is Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. Hey, Ashley, how are you doing today? Horseshit. Horseshit? Why are you doing horseshit?
1: I, well, God, when was the last time we talked? Let's see. Uh,
0: Yesterday.
1: (laughs) Ah, blew the clutch out on my van, pretty much.
0: Oh, I lied. Saturday. But, okay, the clutch on the van was going anyways. We knew this.
1: Yeah. Then got arrested for being out after curfew again no not again oh no well that's well, my that bike is... well my bike was running it it's it runs technically it runs but it just won't you're, go nowhere
0: you're because i wouldn't let it go anywhere
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> because
0: because i am a good friend and i'm making you change some stuff and fix it right
1: meh me, uh, meh meh it's a fucking death trap meh 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 hazard <laughs> to everyone on the road meh meh meh
0: no mostly you mostly you because i think it wouldn't have gone fast enough to um help k- keep up with anybody
1: i I'm went kind of, f- i got 48 miles an hour out of it earlier that day
0: that scares the shit out of me because your bearings were shot in that axle. i i'll explain about the axle setup later yeah but i
1: kind of maybe um put all the pressure on the bearing pad instead of the thing through the middle of the bearing, which is yeah. why it would bind up if I tightened it down at all.
0: I'll explain the whole geometry and physics that was going on with it.
1: In the meantime, we should probably introduce our
0: guest for the evening. Okay, and why don't you introduce yourself for everybody?
2: Sure. I am Annie. Um, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I am one of the founders of the Ladies of Moped Army Chapter. And
0: also, you're not from Minneapolis anymore. You're a St. Paul girl. Remember, you live on the right side of the river. You live on the right side (laughs) of the river.
2: I am now a St. Paul resident as well, so I'm no longer a Minneapolis um, resident. Yep.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
2: So have you been having any moped troubles lately? You guys, I built my mopeds like five years ago, and I literally haven't had to touch them because they still start up and still run. So I've never had that knock on wood many moped issues, guys. Hang <laughs> <It> out. <counts. laughs>
0: you need to get, get out ride St. Paul. I'll show you some roads. Or fuck it. it's. You know what? You don't ever have to ride a parkway again. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Honestly, just get out there and ride wherever you can. Parkway or not, just ride it.
2: You don't know how I have to do that. I mean, yeah, and I'm I'm going on a 200 mile mo- motorcycle ride in the next couple of weeks. So I'm supposed to. I gotta find There's out. that. I, I was, just realized
1: I got... my last 45 seconds of talking, I was muted. Yeah. yeah oh I no. Said that you're
0: <laughs> muted, Ashley.
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> what you... Were you saying anything profound?
1: Ah, uh, no, just telling Annie to go fuck herself because her mopeds all run. <laughs>
0: Well, because you didn't get a goddamn French moped, okay? That's right. why.
1: You're all Pook, right? <laughs>
2: I've got Pooks. So I've got two Pooks. I've got the Polini Pinto. I've got the um, Pook Magnum. But then I also have a Derby variant. So All right, yeah. Derby. So that's yeah.
1: why they're all running. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah,
2: they're all running because they are not French. Sometimes <laughs>
1: sometimes mopeds just need a woman's touch to get that finish.
2: Absolutely. um gotta massage that in there get it get it going yeah yeah.
0: Um, let's let's get this down on record because this is important and this is something that I have felt passionate about for a while and like I figured we all need to have a step back to really evaluate the situation and not be overly emotional about it which I am in a I don't know about you two ladies but I can be a very emotional person when we get talking about the events that have transpired here in Minneapolis and St. Paul over the last two weeks. Um, So my idea was um, to start out on the evening of May 27th. Um, Everybody through Facebook and whatnot had heard that Minneapolis Police Department had apprehended a man and he had died in their custody. And that's kind of where it was for me. I mean, I was... Plainly very ignorant at that point on the 27th. And then I, it came out he killed. He was killed in custody, and there's a lot of misinformation, and um, that's kind of where I had left it at that point. I don't know, Ashley or Annie, you can kind of share your experiences around the May 27th if you can remember and decipher. I, we've had so much information come out of the last couple of weeks.
1: Well, you see, for the next three days, that day and the next three days, I'm uh, white as fuck, so it didn't even blip my radar.
0: <laughs> Annie, how about you? What, did, what was it like for you?
2: Well, I have an abundance of people of color in my life, since I am also a person of color. Um, and I'm in a community that I I live in, you know, like the North Minneapolis area. I used to live in the North Minneapolis, just recently moved here to St. Paul, but it was, it was all over my social media. And I was, I really honestly said to myself, just another thing, you know, what, what more can we expect from, knowing that there's a lot of police brutality that exists already in our system. Um, this is just like another nail in the coffin. And I really honestly did not know the impact that this death would make. Um, you know, the, the, the cataclysm of all that kind of was together. It was almost like a perfect storm that day. I had a quick discussion with one of my friends around um, the death of George Floyd. And, you know, of course it was appalling, but... More specifically, it was more personal because Donald Williams, actually, I used to train with at the academy, who was the gentleman that was really saying, please get off of this guy. You're going to kill him. Please don't do this stuff, which impacted Donald for the rest of his life now. Mm -hmm. Um, And he had to do a lot of things with the Black Panthers at this point for the cause. But I mean, it personally reached me because I actually know him. Um, And it personally reached me because, again, I have a lot of close friends that are People of color. So the discussion was really wide in my circle of friends on social media. And it also hits me to the core as well, just because um, I've seen and experienced police brutality Mm -hmm. myself. So it's, it's been one, it was one of those things where I thought, this is almost like the perfect storm. What are we going to see out of this with COVID happening? Mm -hmm. Then you have the presidency and the, um, you know, the elections nearing. So there's a lot of discussion around what that looks like. And then you add on this death of this black man Mm -hmm. in Minneapolis, you know, in an actually, uh, unfortunately low known fact that Minnesota is a very low state when it comes to racial segregation. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, And for a lot, and Annie, I don't know about you, and Ashley knows this. Like, and I don't, I I, I feel weird about throwing this out because I mean, her and I still talk. My ex wife is black, and Mm -hmm. I've felt 1% of racial discrimination when her and I would walk certain places and hold hands. 1%. -hmm. That's the most, I am Mm -hmm. a token white guy. Like, I Mm -hmm. have experienced things I should have been in trouble if I wouldn't have been white. I'll be the first one to admit that. I have felt white privilege because of that. Um, so, like, I get very passionate about things, but I know I go back and forth when I say it's not my fight. It is a human fight, but I, 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 nice. I, I tread lightly in this whole subject um, because mm-hmm, I am mm-hmm. not the minority by any means. Um, so, the 27th, we all have this information. Ashley's in her world, Annie's had new heavily because this has happened a couple days my fucking head exploded yeah and, and he's close with some people involved in this in this horrific incident and yeah mm-hmm. so i start work early in the morning i start work at 4 35 a.m every morning and i got to work like normal and i talk about work because this comes in i heard somebody in the warehouse on the roof and i was like And we work in kind of a, not so rough anymore, but in uh, right on University in St. Paul. I figured some local kids were up on the roof tagging something. And two of the guys come down like, dude, they're burning down Minneapolis right now. I'm like, what are you talking about? And that was kind of about it. And Ashley, had you, at once the first fires had started, had anything impacted you at that point or... On the it would have been the twenty eighth. So Thurs it would have been Thursday.
1: We live right off the parkway, so we're so goddamn close to everything. You know, we're just right up Hiawatha that about three AM that morning we could just smell burning building. And it mm. just smelled like burning buildings all day. We're like, all right, so some shit's going down. Uh that auto zone that burnt down. I was, like, friends with everybody in that store, you know, like, that's where I went for all my parts, all my stuff, white people, first world problems, I know, like, I was very close to it, and it still took another day or so before I'm like, yeah, maybe this is going to be a thing for a while, because, you know, uh, protests over, like, three or four days are really unprecedented in Minnesota.
0: (laughs) And Annie, and it's still happening. Yeah, where where were and like I said, we'll just try to do this day by day. Where were you? What what was your twenty eighth like, the Thursday?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, here's the weird thing. I was trying to get my house on the market at the time in Victory, Minneapolis, over in North. Mm -hmm. So I'm working from home, trying to get my house put on the market by the thirtieth of this month or this last month here. And so I'm going back and forth and trying to determine, is it a good day for me to even go over to North Mm -hmm. Minneapolis right now to go get my things um, and get the place set up for showings? Am I even going to have showings? Again, this is, that was not really, that was like just a very subset of what I was thinking. Obviously I was deeply moved and enraged at the same time about the idea that there was such a major injustice, you know, and again, Especially for racial injustices, but more so just human civil rights injustices that we're seeing is a real problem. So I understood what was happening. I was seeing that on social media. I was working from home, but really was I working? not really. I was paying attention to what was happening inside of the neighborhood. Um, I had friends that were reporting out very widely what was happening inside of, you know, South Side what's been done, wh- what protesters were doing versus when the riots started happening. And of, of course now there's a lot of information, including um, some mainstream media and local media coming out to say who was actually causing a lot of the destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they're putting faces to names now who do not belong in the communities that have been torched, unfortunately now. So, I mean, I'm, I was seeing it, I was hearing it, I was experiencing it myself personally um it was a really it was a pretty dark day for me actually including everybody i knew who lived in the south side and north side area yeah
0: and for myself i can i i talked a little bit about the morning let you guys kind of talk about your day i started getting calls from my family um right around 2 two fifteen. that appear, and you know how misinformation there was a lot of misinformation during this whole time as well um getting a call saying they're riding on in the east side i'm like hey eastsiders will not put up with that a lot like north you know we're very dug in blue collar um people and i'm like and then i had two texts from one sister a call and a text from my mom and finally i left work early at three and everything had calmed down because um we'll just say the eastsiders took care of themselves and the, for the business owners and everybody else um and i And about 7 or 6.30 at night, I see on the news, they're protesting and looting um, on university. Now, I knew they were having some issues at the Target on university in St. Paul, and I knew the cops had been there several times throughout the day. And then I saw they're burning down the Napa directly across the street from my work. So I hopped on my moped because I feel very privileged where I work they've been very good and loyal to me so I'm like I need to make sure all of our vehicles are inside um luckily enough I, I I hopped on my bike I was lane splitting doing everything that you shouldn't be doing on a moped just to get up there and it was like a fucking war zone like the sky was orange and black you couldn't breathe and I again I come through the eyes of a kid who grew up in southern Minnesota like a small town mm-hmm. kid. And I don't get terrified or fearful at much, but I was like, I don't fucking need to be here right now. So I cut up near work, saw all the vehicles were in the building, um, asked some people gently to leave our property. Otherwise the cops would be called. I knew it wasn't going to do anything because the cops were already there, but um, turned, turned down the, some back streets and saw people looting the SA right next to my work. And I want And I became so angry at that point. I became so angry at the situation that somebody was killed and now you're taking a selfish act in his memory. And that's the way I was looking at it at that point, you know, right, wrong, or different, But, and I just, but I just kept going home for my safety. Um, I was supposed to go to work that morning. But I had my 65-year-old mom call me at 3 in the morning crying, don't go to work, they're still burning down buildings in the university. So that's that's what my Friday, uh, the 29th, looked like. Um, Ashley, do you remember what your Friday of the 29th was shaping up to be?
1: Yeah, I was headed to work in the the old van. And the night before, I had been thinking, like, man, that thing would be great for – doing something to help out. So I got to work and instead of like clocking in, I ended up buying a ton of masks, like a ton of water and just, you know, uh, phone chargers, all that kind of stuff. And I went home. Mm -hmm. This was like 10 AM and I spent the rest of the day outfitting that van into a protester support vehicle okay i could charge seven cell phones could charge 120 volt devices we had tons of just cold drinks a lot of medical first aid care stuff and we could uh actually haul non-ambulatory folks and get them to the hospital so that you have
0: a i don't mean to interrupt your story at all but actually (sighs) um you do have some first aid training because of your military experience do you not yeah combat lifesaver
1: stuff so it's like not real great in depth but enough for what
0: that was Mm -hmm. but i didn't mean to interrupt but i feel sometimes you don't give you have such a great backstory and you i gotta force it out of you sometimes but yeah so you're outfitting your van and sorry for interrupting
1: uh so that night we're like yeah probably shit going on at third precinct so we just drove (laughs) down there And my God, there was shit going on at 3rd Precinct. That's when they were still guarding the building. Like, that's where the main protests were. And we just sat there. Um, Took care of a few, like, people who had gotten hit. uh, Some gas injury things. Uh, One of the things that I'm super proud of, because it's so oddly, weirdly dorky but useful was uh, uh air an air compressor like a tank of compressed mm-hmm. air mm-hmm. and if uh, tear gas hit we could hit that and positively pressure the inside of the van so no tear gas could get in.
0: <laughs> oh that's good. But
1: i like I'm I'm putsy I like screwing with stuff. I'm geeky. I like inventing different weird things. So that, like, we were pretty well prepared out there, I think. And, like, we got hit with marker rounds and stuff. Ended up that first night just really getting our feet wet, and uh, that was before any of the riot gear or anything came out. Mm -hmm. So it was just, yeah. Yeah.
0: Annie, what was your uh, Friday night, like,
2: I was throwing money at every single cause possible because of the communities being burned down. I mean, whatever happened, they targeted all the minority communities that were the most vulnerable, and all of a sudden their resources completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. And also, for the cause, for the sake of supporting all the protesting, I just started throwing money and donating as much as I can for the cause. Um, you know, and I was debating should I go down there, should I not? What would that look like right now? You know, is you know, what what's my purpose if I went? You know, I want to be thoughtful of how I utilize my time and my space and my energy to support a cause. And so I just really wanted to be active the way I felt was the most appropriate at the time. And since I was still trying to figure out how am I going to get my house on the market, because I mean, my realtor was she was just saying, "Yep, we're still going live." I was Mm -hmm. like, "Well, fuck, what (laughs) am I going to do?" And so there was a huge debate around whether or not I leave downtown St. Paul. Lunds was getting boarded up they were saying the riots and the destruction not the protesters but all of this this problematic stuff is coming towards St. Paul mm-hmm. like downtown St. Paul cuz i live really close to the capital so i was like shit so then can i even get out of my neighborhood what would that look like and if even if they came down here can i participate at that point or you know what is my what do i want to do to support the cause and the movement without getting caught up in violence and danger and other things. And I know that's kind of a by proxy of this. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't be willing to do that. Um, but I, again, it was such a weird thing because I was asking, you know, friends and we were kind of polling each other, like, where, where are we best suited to support the greater good here? Um, you know, and and since I was still trying to get my house on the fucking market, yeah. it was kind of this weird It was such a weird conflicting thing internally for me to do this responsible adult thing Mm -hmm. um, but also really want to go and and support something that really matters to me as well um, and impacts everybody i know so that was my friday night and again i was just really determining what was the best thing and the best thing i could think of at that point was just throwing money at the best causes the best places you know, getting people to do essential runs for communities that just lost all their resources and spreading the word about, you know, what's actually happening inside of the Twin Cities for people that were outside of the Twin Cities, because there's a lot of misinformation still floating mm-hmm. around as to what ha- what's happening inside of the Twin Cities, which were not even reflected accurately outside in the mainstream media. So I was kind of a conduit and a facilitator of passing along information. Uh, passing along with donation points and facilitating how people could stay active in supporting their communities and also supporting their community in a way that helps the vulnerable communities that were left without resources
0: i can say so. for myself i was trying to and i was so i per, like i said earlier in the podcast i i i'm very conflicted with this um mm-hmm. because it is it is our all of our fight but i'm still i'm still very bitter and jaded when it comes to actual protesting because i was a part of the iraq protest when we went to war back in 2001 and it scorned me so bad um, so i i still feel this way i i pray to the thing i pray and i hope to the thing i hope to that positive change comes from this because Um, but I, I'm, there I go, getting on a totally sidetrack of it. Um, So we're all kind of doing our individual things uh, of Friday night. P.S. Friday afternoon, I bought two more mopeds, not to totally make it. (laughs) So Uh,
1: I, two things about what you said, Annie, I literally any way of helping is helping mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. by throwing out throwing some money out there what you could and sharing it around and trying to get things where they needed to be, that's absolutely part of the solution. even if you can't be out on there out there on the ground, you're part of the logistics, you're part of the the important folks behind the scenes. Mm-hmm.
2: I appreciate that because I, I I really struggled with you know where can I best? help at this time with what i'm doing and what i you know what's required of me and so i thought that was a good place to start at least
1: absolutely so, and i love yeah. that about you that you're yeah you you feel like you could you should be doing even more when you've done more than a lot of folks actually you did.
0: you adulted the fuck out of it is what yeah. you did annie because i mean I tried. the because. other
1: the other part of your uh, the other point I wanted to make sure to drive home from what you were saying was the difference between the looters and the protesters. And mm-hmm. you you said it very well. Um, and they're, you know, at, at work and stuff, they're, and online, there have been a lot of uh, interchangeability in those two words where they're not due. So thank you for that mm-hmm. as well.
2: Mm-hmm and I appreciate though and it speaks loudly of you Ashley that you just went down there just to help anybody that was around and you did utilize your skills and the things that you are most proud of to really do and help support your community where they do need that help as well so I love how active you are Thank you. on the ground that's awesome so
0: we'll jump to um Saturday the 28th now I woke up um and went to my i have got a local coffee shop i go to every morning um especially now that they're back open after rona hit and i don't know about you two ladies but anybody you interacted with i've been to a lot of funerals in my life and it was almost like we were all all mourning a loss it felt like you know like you would just you just got done crying at a funeral or something because like i walked around numb for like I'm still kind of numb to everything, but like that morning waking up and seeing everything that had gone on right, wrong, or indifferent, but like everything that had happened from George Floyd being murdered to buildings being burnt down to people peacefully protesting to cops, randomly tear gassing people to to it all. I was just numb because of all the chaos that had happened. And, I remember I scolded some young ladies. Um, They're like 18, 19 and saying how, and they were just tiny little things. And they're like, we're down there protesting and showing our voice. I'm like, and I just said, girls, just be careful. And like, that's what I have to say to anybody who is going out for peaceful protesting. I know everybody means well, but just please be careful. And I am still amazed more people haven't been hurt or killed from everything that has happened. But my Saturday morning started at that coffee shop. And, um, Ashley, what was your Saturday morning like? That would have been the 30th. Um.
1: Well, we finally got home at about 4 a.m.
0: Okay. So you did you watch the third precinct burn down then?
1: Uh, no. By that time, I want to say by that time we were up at 5th. Mm-hmm. I it's very possible I have these dates completely wrong because the last two weeks have been a fucking blur. Yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's been a lot of staying up till four a.m. and then getting up at like two in the afternoon or eleven a.m. when when different protests and different things are starting again and just getting my clothes on, getting in the van and fucking going out there again, picking mm-hmm. up supplies, buying stuff and. Mm-hmm. Just being out there. So, like, Saturday, I assume that was 5th Precinct, but I don't remember anymore.
0: It's okay.
2: You know, you... I think you're right, Ash. And
0: what was your Saturday, like, just morning to afternoon?
2: Fuck, I don't remember much. (laughs) Let me think, though. Saturday was the day my house went on the market. It sold. Awesome. Damn. In... (laughs) so it sold first day uh got three offers well they backed out the original offer backed out Mm -hmm. the people i was picking to be in the neighborhood backed out took another offer just this last week here or just yesterday so all is well for the adulting aspect of that weird thing but driving past my house my old house in my my old neighborhood off of Penn and off of dowling okay i saw the gas station on the corner In rubbles, and that gutted me a little bit. The impact, personally, because of it being the only gas station in that neighborhood for them, that resource was completely taken Mm -hmm. away, which is wildly upsetting. The Super USA that was over off of Dowling as well was. I think also caught up with some damage, which is wildly upsetting too, because that was just like the hot spot for that neighborhood to be a community mm-hmm. and you know talk or even do what it is that they want to do there, buy their stuff, hang out. It was like a big hangout spot. It really was. Like I just saw cars there all the time, and unfortunately, those resources disappeared. So I was really gutted about that, and I started to get really angry about the idea that there were people out there that were willing to hurt you know, these communities, the vulnerable communities, anybody's or people's communities that really needed those resources. And I guess I want to refrain from continually using the minority groups because I'm, I'm a, I'm a person of color. And and I think also we can recognize that minority is a classist term, Mm -hmm. maybe even almost slightly racist term, but um, I just, I just think that and we could, we could hypothesize and, and talk about that semantic all day. But uh, besides that, I just find, I found I was very gutted and very, like, sad and frustrated about the circumstances, despite, you know, some of my personal life, not changing. Mm-hmm. You know, there was good things that were happening for me but the outcome of our community, the neighborhood, what's happening in Minneapolis and how we're in national news and people are texting me, are you okay? How are you checking in? What are, what are things like in your area? You know, it's, it was, it was, it is traumatic. I think everybody's kind of feeling the trauma here from how our communities were totally ripped apart um, and how much it's impacted people. And I'm more moved over the idea though, that his George Floyd's, human loss is just such a bigger sum of loss Mm -hmm. than buildings however again we could go into politics or just thoughts around who gains who gains who stands to gain during a pandemic who stands to gain from these communities now having to deal with rebuilding insurance rates cost of living affected and impacted. We don't have to go there, but (laughs) I'm just saying like all of that hits me. And I think about that from a holistic approach from uh, everything. And it's really devastating to me. And, um, I, I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, at that point I was just really exhausted. And so the only thing I could think of doing to slightly cheer me up was go to the record store. So I went over to my favorite record store and I grabbed some records and came back. I'm gonna have to show you a better. i have
0: to show you a better record store on the east side, one of these days.
2: Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I think I found my uh, my A plus store, but I'll always go to record stores. You, yeah, you, yeah. that's one thing. But uh, that's all I could do to kind of find mm-hmm. some happiness, validity personally. Yeah. yeah, in in how devastating everything was around in Minneapolis on Saturday, and I think I cried on Saturday. I was. I think I spend a lot of my time crying.
0: (laughs) I I totally identify Um, with you when you were talking about just being angry at people for, and I, you know, again, I'm the token white guy. Like I I almost feel like I shouldn't have a voice in any of this, but I do because I'm a human. So like, and that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like I understand. I don't, I, I, I can see why things are happening and I can see why people are doing what they're doing, but it's still, I hate that it's getting called out in somebody's name. Like I love the positive things that are happening because of it. And I really hope I'm, I'm, I I said earlier, I'm scorned and bitter, but I'm always going to be an optimist. And I'm I've got to believe something positive is going to come from all of this destruction. And my Saturday I um I know some people who work I know fellow who Mike who works at Scooterville and I knew they were emptying out Scooterville because they had said they're emptying out Scooterville because they had been their windows had been smashed and everything else so I rode down there to give him a hand and Mike was he was in shell shock and he's like dude we're we're about loaded out he goes come back come back tomorrow like we're gonna need people here to kind of watch the building because the pawn shop across the street had been burnt down and other buildings had been burnt down near there and they just wanted to make sure they had a facility to come back to work and i went to go see a friend who lives in right near that cub that burnt down and a young man i was riding my moped and this has never happened before i hit a bump and my spark plug boot came off and i was like what the hell and some young man goes yeah you also dropped something back there and i was thing of oil and he goes hey I just came in from Madison and like I got angry right there I don't know about anybody else when you talk to out-of-towners like he's like I'm just here for to help out and blah blah and I got hand sanitizer and this I'm like okay drop that stuff off but you can leave and like even my friend's neighbor who is Cheryl is the nicest sweetest lady ever she goes that's really awesome. You're doing all that. You can go to this church and I can't remember what address it was on, but we don't need any more outsiders in here right now. Please leave. And that's, I think that started to become the sentiment on Saturday that, at least from the, some of the people I was talking with, and I'll let Ashley, Ashley speaking to Annie, like, was that kind of your feeling too? Like I don't want these outsiders in here anymore because I felt like the people in the city were the peaceful ones and the outsiders were here to cause destruction. uh, I don't know.
2: Ash, go ahead and speak.
1: Oh, I don't know that I got anything to say. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: Was it, was it around that time that the outer towners were starting to be pegged as the problem ones? I, I
0: don't, I don't know. Is I think, i think i maybe saw an article saying i and again my timelines are even messed up i think i might have saw that article that like all the all all the problem people in saint paul were out of town people i don't know did you run into that yourself at all ann at some point
2: yeah i mean yeah um I went to protest on Sunday actually. So on the 31st, I went to protest. We were at the state Mm Capitol. So I I met up with a couple of friends and we walked over there since I live really close to the Capitol. And um, I mean, honestly, St. Paul downtown was dead silent. It was quiet. There was no activity. It was eerily quiet. And all I saw were national guard tanks Mm -hmm. roaming around the streets at that point. But I went to protest on Sunday I went to hear these stories. I went to see how people were celebrating George Floyd and talking about you know how much injustice there was and what they really needed from the community and people and and you know what was appropriate for them and what they felt was needed, and that these people were human and that we can't forget that these lives that were lost from police brutality are real. And there's a real actual systemic problem. With police and this is when people started talking about you know how are the police going to change what is this going to look like for minneapolis obviously they at this point i think derek chauvin was arrested finally um and brought into jail too i, I don't remember quite the timelines but i'm trying to think here when was sunday he? sunday sounds almost right i think he was yeah. but again though there was a lot of There was a lot of stuff, you know, that was being told directly by my neighbors who live over north that white supremacists were in like infiltrating in our areas. There was a lot of outside state non-plated vehicles that were roaming the Mm -hmm. streets. They didn't know if they were out-of-towners. They didn't know if they were federals. They didn't know if they were unregistered police cars, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of create, you know, fuss around the curfew that was being instilled on that weekend. You know, there's a lot of stuff that was going on. So really, we don't truly know. But from what we understand, everything that was done was done mostly by outside groups. I I mean, there's been discussion already around why would, their own community destroy what is in their community these people were friends and neighbors and family Mm -hmm. they wouldn't do those things so i think there was other people who didn't care about any of these communities come in and and just try to create chaos and destruction and i i firmly believe that is the case and sure there was looting and other things but this is a bigger looting to me and this rioting to me and i'm not going to quote martin luther king this is just not a place for that and i and i understand those things but i mean those really are responses to how much these people well first of all maybe people think it's taking advantage but it's maybe just surviving you know because at this point some of these communities were taken down they had no resources a lot of this is out of survival you know and i can imagine you know people are taking essentials versus shoes that's different but i mean People are gonna take advantage. And we could get into a big talk about systemic oppression and uh, that how that hits economically and what the pandemic has done and how desperate mm-hmm. and starving and, and how much people need to eat and need to do things in order to make money for themselves to pay for whatever it is that they want to do in their lives. So I'm not here to judge that. Yeah. I'm not here to make that many comments on it, but there is an underlying premise to all of yes. that. And I don't think it's just that they're just doing it just because they're quote animals yeah. that I've seen people say there's a, a, a such a deeper thing that happens that i can't explain but i know exists most likely Mm -hmm. that happens and this is the byproduct of all of that the frustration the anger the grief the whatever so i mean i was feeling all that and by sunday when i was protesting and hearing people's stories i um i was so emotionally exhausted yeah and i was just so um just, just so sad about the circumstances, and all I wanted to see was justice for George Floyd and every other person who had dealt with police brutality or were murdered without un- answers, or you know, unanswered um, sentencing from from those outcomes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, we can take example Justine who was, you know, that white white woman down in South Minneapolis that was shot by the Somali cop who actually got 12 and a half years and her family got paid out the biggest settlement in, in history, I think for Minneapolis area. And I actually personally knew her. Okay. So she and I worked together on some dog stuff because I'm an animal behavior consultant. Yeah. So she actually contacted my group, my, um, my dog behavior group mm-hmm. and I actually was one of the people that started working with her pretty deeply on some dogs that she brought over from a different country. Oh, wow. So her and I worked together really closely and we were becoming personal friends. Yeah. So it was a really crazy thing to think that she was just there one day and not. So um that was devastating. But again, the guy is in jail. He was arrested in jail, charges pressed, n no, no rioting around that. You know, it, it was a done deal for him and they got a settlement, but are we going to see that for George Floyd? We haven't yet. Well,
0: and for my my understanding, I've had some family friends that were police, and I've talked to them. Like, similar the reason, and I'm not defending anything. Anyone who wants to get mad or judge or whatever, they cannot arrest cops right away. There's a whole different set of rules for police officers, so that is why they were not charged and arrested immediately within 24 hours. They literally live by a different set of rules. Right, wrong, or indifferent, but that is what I've been told. And like, I I'm not gonna put out any numbers what the rules are because I will misquote it and fuck it up. And I'm not here to give any misinformation that I don't have. But like, we'll just keep talking about Sunday and our experiences here. Ashley, well, do you kind of remember your Sunday at that point? I know. I remember the curfew getting installed on Sunday. What What was your Sunday like for you, Ashley?
1: Okay, so that's when the curfew got installed. I want to say it was. I thought it was Saturday. Was it
0: Saturday? I okay. Saturday, Saturday or Sunday?
1: Because mm-hmm. I remember a bullhorn that day. Something about it's eight p.m. curfew. You're all under arrest, and then they all started moving forward, but people started throwing uh, the gas cans back so they oh, wow. eventually retreated back um, uh, yeah everything is just kind of a kind of a blur we just you know we didn't pl- really plan ahead mm-hmm. we didn't really um, you know we just you, where is everything where do we got to be and we weren't expecting anything we didn't really have a plan we just went at it as we as we were there um that yeah it was further into the week we did we started doing donation runs and stuff but yeah it was uh and at the i guess i haven't really talked about feelings or anything about it um about it yet The I am so far removed from the institutional and just lifestyle racism that we're all protesting against that I didn't know how to feel. I knew that these folks out there protesting were on the right side, and I wanted to help them out any way I could, but like I've got when it comes down to it i have no skin in this game literally this uh this isn't my fight this it's not going to be me who wins in the end of you know once all of this it's not going to be my life that changes it's it's not my culture that i'm fighting for here so i really don't have much for 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 deep uh, nuanced feelings about this. Uh, For myself and my husband, it's it's merely right and wrong Mm -hmm. and just on that very general level.
2: And that's understandable. I mean, I don't think you have to have, I mean, it's better that you have feelings about supporting somebody that you cared enough to go out and support people who have the voice or want to use their voice at this time. I think that's really important um, that you were there just to just to take the backseat because you don't necessarily have to have a voice loudly, but your voice was just helping others project theirs. And I think that's important. You were there just to support the cause, make sure people were cared for. Mm Um, and had the abilities to continue to press their voices forward. So I think that's really important. Thank you. So I I, I don't, just because you may not have like personal feelings and because for me, I rolled off of COVID racism, um, you know, for, uh, being, being an Asian, but I'm Asian American. So it, it's such a weird catch 22 all my entire fucking life. Mm-hmm that, you know, doing that and feeling those feelings and feeling that trauma to moving on to other trauma that I've also seen and experienced Mm -hmm. with people who are black (laughs) is just, it it was just one of those things where all of that just was a complete catalyst for me to just not stop talking as an ally, as somebody who, you know, who should never ever sit idly for me personally, because of my community and my network personally, I just, I, I, I will I will just not shut up about what's important, how I feel about it, you know, um, vindicating voices who need support and ensuring that their point is put across, whether it be on social media, or whether it be just personally, um, or just, you know, again, trying to donate for the cause to support others to be able to do their part in continually fighting against some of the the things that we're seeing currently. So, as I said, Sunday was a, a tough day. I was just com- completely emotionally tapped out. Um, but I've still, I've even just now, I feel really revitalized and I still haven't shut up. Mm-hmm. So no. I'm just gonna continually keep saying my piece yeah. about how I feel, and including Pride Month mm-hmm. this month. Yeah, I'm still gonna be pressing on Pride stuff, transgender issues, LBGTQ, anything. And of course, we're hearing now from that which is such a a big intersection of uh black rights and, and gay rights is transgender women being killed during this time of protesting. Um, you know, who was also a person of color but also trans. So that was just also devastating that we're seeing these exchanges of violence across a lot of this stuff. So I'm Did she end up dying? It's like what else I, I think so. Could one of you them guys, was killed I know every- the
0: story, but some people, because it wasn't mass media and like a few, it was kind of a local story. Do you two ladies want to clue in the audience of what you're speaking of right now?
2: I'm just trying. Let me remember the story because that's a great question. Ashley, I don't remember, honestly. Hold on. Well, while you look that up, let me look back at my was, uh, the Ashley, the you want to repeat that?
1: Ayana yes. Dior. I might be butchering that. uh, Was the one that I heard of. Yep. And that we were out a couple days ago on a very specific march mm for.
2: Yes, she didn't die. No, but she was viciously attacked. My bad. That was poor. I should have, I should have looked at it again to verify. But she was brutally attacked by a bunch of people at that time, just trying to support. Not just. Go ahead, Ash
1: not just attacked, but you can go see it because it was live streamed in its entirety by the attackers.
0: Sick. I mean, that's all I, 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 and Ashley talked about a little bit earlier, I don't have skin in the game. I think we all do because we're human. And I I was taught, like I tell people all the time, I had the best parents as in they taught me to love people it doesn't matter your color, your, it, granted back in the eighties, it wasn't even a question, but like, and I just incorporated Like, it doesn't matter your sexual identity, who you like or whatever, as long as your tr- attempt to be a decent human being. And like, that's, I don't know, I'm, but Sunday, <laughs> we'll, we'll reel it back to Sunday and then we'll, um, I can say my experience was um, I was out riding. Because like I like I've said to you, Anne, and actually like that's what I do to clear my head, and it's just riding mopeds has been a great mistake in my life. And I stopped over at Scooterville again to see those guys, and they were in shell shock. the The building was empty. I'd never seen it like that before. Um, we just kind of BS for a few hours, and I'm like, "Well, I better get going home." I go to get home, and I go to cross the Franklin Bridge. I can't get into St. Paul. Um, the cops barricaded. I'm like, I live in St. Paul. They're like, we don't care. So I just start heading south. I finally, two to, I, it doesn't matter. I like two or three bridges later, I finally got to a bridge and I said to a cop, I live in, I, and I know everybody's gun trigger happy. I go, I'm going to my wallet right now. And I'm pulling my wallet out to show you, I live in St. Paul, please let, And finally, an officer let me pass. Um, That made it, for some reason, that, that right there made it really real for me. Like, these authority figures have the ability to say I can't go home.
1: White privilege, yum. But you did get to go home.
0: I did get to go home. And and I almost. You didn't get
1: shot reaching for your wallet. So, mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and like I said earlier in the in the podcast, I know I have been treated fairly because of the color of my skin. I mean, and that's a fact. Um, so Monday, um, Ashley, do you remember your Monday? It would have been Monday the first. You were was it was just another day of trying to supply the brat the converted bratmobile, or what was your Monday like?
1: That. One of those weekdays, we went out and we, by that time, we were hooked up with a whole bunch of different teams, whether it be medic teams or supply teams running, and we got a list of what was desperately, desperately needed that other folks weren't thinking of. And we went way out into one of the, um, one of the like third ring suburb Walmarts and We've got photos where we filled a cart up eight feet high. And our friends all pitched in and we ended up with $700 worth of merch. Oh, wow. Just household stuff. And we brought it down to to ground zero there Mm -hmm. where, like Annie was saying, they no longer have a Target. They no longer have a Cub. They no longer have a gas station. And they Mm -hmm. no longer have buses to get to any of the other
0: ones. Yeah, and uh, not to interrupt you, Ashley, yep. but um, for those who outside of Minneapolis, St. Paul, they had shut down public transit at this point. What day was that, Thursday they shut down the buses and trains?
2: Yeah, it was pretty early on. It was Thursday or Friday and nothing was running. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: sorry, Ashley, keep.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I want to say most of that day was spent um, just hauling folks around, getting supplies where they needed to be because we could, we can hold a lot and we were actually responding on our phones. Mm -hmm. Um, Towards the evening, it got more into just dispatch stuff, but yeah, just staying busy, getting stuff where it needed to be and getting people where they needed to be. Oh, yeah, like I keep saying, everything's just kind of a blur. If the days (laughs) didn't blend together with COVID, they sure blended together with all of this.
2: Yes, it did. And it doesn't help, too, when that happens. It really kind of is a trauma response. There is just so much that is going on that your nervous system and your brain actually cannot retain and maintain some symbolism normalcy inside of it so just remember some people don't actually actualize which is what a what if what a phrase annie but they don't (laughs) actually recognize that what they're experiencing is actually trauma Mm -hmm. so people got to be kind to themselves and i mean that's part of it too like as if covid wasn't trauma enough now we have the biggest protests in united history recently Mm -hmm. um not just united states but the globe as well Mm -hmm. so we had 14 or 18 countries or something like that that was also protesting for george floyd which was just a phenomenal um kind of note to know how much this changed history
1: and every single state
2: yeah yes all 50 states which i i can't
1: I can't imagine that COVID didn't come into this a little bit. There was kind of this powder keg, I feel. Nobody had really been out of their house since February. Everyone's been super locked down and just kind of feeling feeling like they're stuck in a lot of places. And then the weather started getting nice and you're still stuck. And then a match Mm -hmm. got lit. And all of a sudden, you know a lot of people are out of jobs. they got plenty of time to go out and help, mm-hmm. and everyone else is just looking for a you know it it's not the the excuse to get out you know just that they haven't been out, but it definitely helped get people out who may have not been as um ready and willing to get out and protest as they would have been if they were
2: if all the restaurants were open. (laughs) Well it it was a common it's a little dark,
1: but no.
2: Yeah. No, and it's true, but I mean it's kind of the perfect storm as I said earlier. Like it just is such a perfect storm of shit that has happened in twenty twenty.
0: I mean people (laughs) and it's only work. Um (laughs) people are stuck in the house because of COVID. And I I don't think there's anything wrong with recognizing that like There's all these other factors going into these protests because, yeah, but, um, so Annie, what was your Monday like on the first? Do you remember? I, it's all very blurry. That's why I'm like, we, okay, if we're going to do this podcast, this style, we have to do it (laughs) now before we all forget what the hell's happened.
2: Well, I mean, even even now it's hard to think of, but that's again, that's based on how much impact mm-hmm. this entire thing has taken on everybody in general and then COVID to add on to that. But my Monday was I worked. I had to go to work. Mm-hmm. So I work in corporate healthcare and I am to pretend like everything is fine <laughs> in my personal life. The city I lived in wasn't set on fire. Um People were protesting an extremely important cause. Mm-hmm. And everybody that I knew and their mothers, because they were out of the job and because their um, jobs gave them personal freedom to go and do that, which I'm sure mine would have too, but I'm new. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I don't know where to draw the line on this. And I'm just, I don't want to get too political with my new boss just yep. yet. So you're playing it you know, safe. I, you're playing
0: it safe because you're working during COVID. And a lot of people can't say I that. am
2: very extraordinarily privileged to be making money mm-hmm. right now. And so, again, also with that, I was like, well, if there's one thing I can do is since I do have a job is to continue to donate, yes. to continue to support, to reach into my work, which I'm very proud to work for because they actually took a very strong stance about George Floyd's death. They wrote about it. They have had major mm-hmm. discussions. And so it actually entered in my workplace as well. So I was, I, w- I had the ability to talk to a very diverse group of people about what's actually happening inside of the George Floyd death and police brutality and what's actually happening in Minneapolis, um, on a very personal level. Um, and how it impacted everybody even in my group, because we're not all from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, we're trying to pretend like everything's, normal we got to work and we got to do this thing and I, I really probably did not get a lot of work done that day yeah. um, but I was I, I was happy to talk about it I was happy to hear from people outside of me inside of my work groups talk about it um, and that's how deeply it impacted everybody is that we were talking about this on a global scale in my workplace um, and how important it was for um, everybody yeah. so
0: for me going to work on Monday was really surreal because like I said, um, businesses had been burnt all around me and we had been, it was a small miracle that if people, the, the destructors, I don't want to call them looters. I don't want to, and I will not say they're protesters, but the destructors, the people who came in and broke down things. If they knew and they want to cause true destruction, they would have went to my work because of the chemicals we had there and because of the LP tanks outside and everything else there would have been major issues but the owner of the company was there and our building had gotten some graffiti sprayed on it just stupid stuff but there was one that said floyd on there he goes jim i want you to go and get some stucco paint because i work maintenance and fabrication he goes i want you to paint over everything except for the floyd we're going to leave that up for a while so, and this is a guy who does not have a dog in this fight. He really doesn't. He's a very successful businessman, but he does care about his community. And, I mean, that's all I feel comfortable saying about for the owner of my company. Um, he contributes, and that's all I can say. But that's, that was my Monday. Like, it was just, it was still, again, that shock and traumatic, like, almost mourning a loss is the best way I can describe it. It's like this emotional hangover slash roller coaster, And that's all I felt Monday. Um, and, that, and then we can kind of move on to Tuesday because Ashley and I had, um, we had scheduled a podcast. Uh, usually we do our interviews on Tuesdays and we're always a week behind and blah, blah, blah. And then I see the news. And Ashley, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody um, what happened to you on Tuesday?
1: Oh, you know normal tuesday we uh it was a protest at the governor's mansion and then a walk down to the capitol building. It was hot as hell that day that's really when it started getting warm out mm-hmm. so we loaded up with uh- you know ice chests full of gatorade and monster and water and stuff, and we just stuck behind everyone and, you know, as people would fall back, we'd give them water and stuff, give them a ride if they couldn't make it. Um, and everything was super peaceful. It was super nice. Uh, we got to the, got to the governor or the, um, capital, and, you know, throughout the rest of that day, it was a lot of folks talking and a lot of people, Addressing, and we kind of parked off off to the back, and just anyone who needed anything would come up, and we had masks and all kinds of stuff. Um, at that point, it was definitely uh, it was definitely an aid mission more than like treating treating any injuries outside of a, a couple of heat strokes. Like a, like a couple of overheating situations that day, but it it was really just to be there, to be, um, part of the protest and part of the the behind the scenes crew keeping things keeping things healthy. Um, we ended up that was the first night. It was a ten p.m. curfew, and we ended up there at. Ten even, we were packed up, ready to roll. Um, there were several people who had come to the van to get a ride back up to the governor's mansion because they hadn't. Um, you know, it's a long walk, especially at, at night. And everything it's over was a mile. Yeah. yeah. Everything was really winding down at that point. So we're like, all right, we can go. It's starting to cool off a little bit, and then all of the military. And um, like riot equipment just blasted up to us and surrounded us. And we were arrested for being around after curfew at like 10 even. <laughs> uh, it would have been really nice if we'd have gotten any warnings or like, you know, we were handing out water and stuff to the military folks. Since I'm prior military, like none of the National Guard people want to be there. And it's hot as balls. So, hand, like, having them a cold Gatorade, like, it's just a nice thing to do. And even the the officers who were super um, okay with what was going on, and not not a goddamn one of them told us that, uh, you know, oh, we're not fucking around tonight. Ten o'clock, we're we're gonna bust ya. Like, no one had the had the uh, uh, Fortitude to give us that little warning, or even anything over the PA, anything over the phones, nothing. Um, mm-hmm. So we're like, eh, maybe it's been like the last few nights, and they're not really about it. But just in case, we'll get going. You know, ten fifty or nine fifty. I mean, we get going at nine fifty. Get everybody in. Get everybody out. So we're. They're back to their cars, and in their cars by the time curfew hits, and just no, we just got side, we just got side slammed by them. Uh, we we're all putting the putting the paddy wagon. Um, it was very obvious that the police were not used to this. They, uh, the sergeant. Had to come up and tell everybody, all right, this is what we're marking down. This is what you're writing on the paperwork. Uh, each one of us had an officer basically assigned to us, and you know, like give them your ID and and they would take take down your name and information and stuff, and then that person would escort you to the paddy wagon and all that kind of thing. But it was, it was definitely a guided adventure for those police because <laughs> they just did not have, they had no idea what to do, what was going on, how they were supposed to, to handle the situation. Um, as a, a side note, I know it doesn't sound like it, but I uh, transitioned 10 years ago I have been legally female on all of my paperwork for a decade, including my license. Um, I was placed with all of the men for the duration of our time in jail. Uh, And that was through booking and processing. And then we were R-O'd, uh, released of our own recognizance or whatever at about three o'clock in the morning.
0: And I'm going to say something, Ashley, as the token straight white male. That's fucking oh. stupid. That's <laughs> fucking stupid that they did that because you are a woman. Like, and that's what the stance I've always taken. Like, if you tell me you're something, you're something and I'll go with that. Like, you're that, that's. Uh, that's the, still the part that worked with, me. the part that bugged a lot of
1: folks was that it's not just what I told somebody. It's what's legally there.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, they, yeah. They actually violated your rights yeah. and I'm really infuriated about like, that. Yes. It's like they didn't
1: ask about it. They didn't ask about like, hey, what's your genital status going on? What the hell's going on? Where do we need to put you? Um ever there were at least five separate occasions where I was handed where we were moved into different areas, handed off to different officers, where they could have corrected mm-hmm. that. I it's not like they misreported t- it because my citation says female on it. There were many, many opportunities for them to un-, un- Yeah, that's that. just
2: flat out fucking trans. That's transphobia and I can't fucking stand I, that. I just... <laughs> Two of the
1: officers, I said, hey, look on my paperwork. Like, you got me in with the guys. Like, this is going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, and they're like, "Oh no, it's okay." And then I got to listen to stories about the first time they met cross dressers and drag queens. Oh god my god! Back like, in the it, '80s.
0: And for me, like, again, sitting here as the token white male, like, it just comes down to a fucking lack of respect. I mean, that's the way I I tend to look at. It. It's like they don't de- like. Argh. Oh,
2: it's beyond lack well, of respect. Pro- it's complete transphobia. I. I it's homophobia it's transphobia it's it's wrapped into so much about oh god i'm not gonna go no, off on this one it, we're, but i'm yeah. i'm vehemently against what they did and
0: i think anybody with uh, a legally, soul or like with like a res, respect for human beings and their lives is pissed off for that like that's it comes down to respect. well legally
2: yeah ashley 's rights legally were violated, mm-hmm. and I think Ashley, you should probably report that uh unless you already have
1: <laughs> we have retained a private lawyer who has made Perfect. an official complaint, and uh, you know we're going to see what happens at arraignment mm-hmm. because we got uh, you know uh, we got charged with a misdemeanor which was uh, um, uh being out after curfew violating a, a government emergency order i think is what it said um mm-hmm. a misdemeanor is the absolute minimum they can charge you with and get you off the street and arrest you um yep i fully expect this to go away uh in and mass mm-hmm. uh but we'll see what happens at arraignment i know we're part of an arrestee group now where just seen her blowing up the other night.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah, talking mm-hmm. about
1: what happened and talking about what, you know, what to expect and and just basically getting our ducks in a row and sticking together. Um, yep. And we we fully expect to have either all of these things plead pled down to a traffic ticket, like as a group, or just dismissed mm-hmm. outright. There's many states that are just not prosecuting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know, I know the DA does not want to have 200 extra Mm -hmm. trials. I know they don't want to have that. Mm -hmm. So we're just, we're just hoping they do the right thing. And the, you know, the governor does his blessing is like, get the fuck out of my jail system and don't come back. Right. You know, like a, like a human.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I wanted to wrap this up was, you know, Ashley's last experience. I mean, we've all continued on since the second, but um. just. Oh,
1: they, we're, they impounded the van. They did. That's, Ooh, that's what got me. I was, I begged them to close the windows Lock the doors, put everything in there, take it out of gear when they put it up. And you know what? I'm so goddamn white and blonde that they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. Hey, you want to tell us a little bit about your van? As they're like practically curb stomping the only POC in the group. Hmm. It's like, yeah. God fucking damn it. But next morning <sighs> we went, we paid $250. And I, I triumphantly drove my van out of the out of the Ramsey County impound and we were we were back doing missions that afternoon.
0: Awesome. Keep, there you go, that's how you and, do and it. Keep up that good fight keep there, on, Ashley. Keep it on. um Annie, thank you for coming on. I want you to stick around after we close this up. But um is there any Not again, not, I didn't want, I mean, I'm happy we're everywhere where this whole thing went. And like, what are your final thoughts? I guess is my best, is my, is my lead out.
1: I want to talk to the other side as well. There are good police officers out Mm -hmm. there that are working in a system that actively discourages them from being good. Mm-hmm. This whole recent thing about disbanding the Minneapolis police, which it's more nuanced than that it's not actually stopping the police force.
2: Um, right, it's not a bo- right. Well, abolishing is really where people are getting misinformed. Yeah. I'm hoping... Anyway, sorry not to interrupt. No, you. no problem. No, I'm you're...
1: hoping that all of this happening really gives them a chance to clean out and give those folks that there were, there were plenty of folks that when we were in the lockup, they'd pop open the door and go, thank you guys for being out there. Thank you so much. And it's those officers and the ones who, you know, who were treating everyone nicely out there. Like, yep, we got a job to do. Thank you for being out here. Just play along and, and, You know, we'll get you on your way. And, you know, that weren't rough, that weren't troubling. Um, Those are the guys that that need to be in charge of setting the culture. This thin blue line garbage, this uh, professional courtesy garbage, it all needs to go. Uh, what Jim was saying earlier about there's special rules for police officers being arrested, there's special rules for their prosecution. Fuck that. They're just people like we are, and they need to be held accountable. I must say, uh, when my when my youngest brother committed suicide, we had a talk with the officer who had to come and basically show, basically like write down that he was dead. And we're like, man, this must be a mu- this must be fucking ridiculous for you, because they make fifteen dollars an hour, sixteen <laughs> bucks an hour, to do this incredibly ridiculous stuff. And you know, going mm-hmm. from like that's got to be hard on a person to go from a suicide to a domestic violence to a drug thing to a, a traffic stop where you're getting spit on. That's got to wear you down and destroy you as a person so quickly.
2: Yeah, they're only one person. And that's the thing is that I'm shocked how people feel that we should police the way we are now, considering we're relying on individuals to take care of so many human and civil needs that it's impossible for them to be this what we're asking for is like a superwoman and a superman Mm -hmm. and these people have regular lives and i think the smartest thing we can think about uh and i i won't go on my big soapbox about this but in totality holistically i really feel like a new approach with communities that support some of these acts, like say domestic violence, because I have a lot of knowledge of domestic violence situations that the the last person I really want to talk to is the police officer. Yeah. You know, if it's a violent situation, we need de escalation Mm -hmm. and we need to hear both sides of the story. Because a lot of the time people people who have been abused will fall into the system on the premise that they're the ones that are the perpetrators and have to go through programs to talk about how they actually are the victims of the whole systemic problem that we're seeing. And the abuser gets to just walk around unchecked at that point. And that happens more than often. And that's a very realistic thing that exists. And so I, I would rather have advocates, domestic advocates answer first I, you know, and again, if it's a violent situation, it's one thing, but usually by the time the police come around, there is no violence because a lot of abusers tend to act normal to try to minimize and mitigate the purpose of them being there in the first place. So that's just an example. That's one that I clearly understand and know and and it's it's not it's not a, the response it should not just fall on the responsibility of a single person. We should be utilizing our community resources to be able to support some of these efforts that these police are required to answer to because as Ashley said, I can't imagine mm-hmm. I just cannot imagine one person having to go from each of these things to manage this. It's like a social worker with a gun, essentially, was what we're asking them to be. And we just don't have, they don't have the capacity. They haven't had the training. And I sure as hell hope, like, they don't entirely have the mental capacity to be able to challenge and deal with all that. That sounds traumatic, Mm -hmm. highly stressful, and it results to poor, probably poor self-esteem and and poor Mm -hmm. Um, you know, lots of trauma and and unchecked things that might develop along the way for them that that don't help us as a society or community. So I I think it's important that we look at how we change what policing looks like. And I I don't disagree or agree with a lot of the points right now. I'm still fact finding myself to understand and recognize what would be the most appropriate action right now. But I'm, um, you know, I'm inclined to believe that the policing now that we see is unreasonable. Mm-hmm. is an unreasonable expectation for individuals, and um, the, the the way that we empower police right now isn't working clearly. Mm-hmm. So that just needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my short version. Sorry. No, no, and like
0: I said, like I just <laughs> it is what it is, and we all have a voice, and we all need to be heard. Um, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Ashley. Thank you so much for doing this and keeping up the good fight. Um. This is, you know, we'll end this with, uh, Ashley, just remember in the world, this crazy world, mopeds are still dumb.
1: Somehow mopeds are still dumb.